Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, a boutique physical therapy practice located in the heart of New York City. And on today's episode, my guest is Dr. Bill Chun. Dr. Chun is a board-certified OBGYN with over 30 years of experience in medicine. He is passionate about helping people live better lives through better health, and he knows that education is a crucial part of that goal. You can find him on TikTok at Doc and Doula, Instagram Doc and Doula, and Twitter at BillChun underscore MD. You can also find him uh, at his website, which is BillChunMD.com. Now, we today we are talking about kind of thinking outside the box, way to get healthier despite our broken healthcare system, and why it's so hard for women to get good healthcare in the United States, which is a problem that has been ongoing and continues to perpetuate throughout the United States for a variety of reasons. We talk about those in this podcast. Um, Dr. Chun also has a free gift for listeners. It's 25% off using the code women at womenonlyorganics.com. You can use the discount code HEALTHYWEALTHYSMART. Um, so find out what all of that is. You'll get more information on what that free gift is and how you can use it and what it all means. Um, but you got to listen towards the end of the podcast. So a big thank you to Dr. Chun and everyone enjoy today's episode. Hi, Dr. Chun. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on for a multiple of reasons to talk about our healthcare system and to talk about especially the healthcare system as it relates to women. So thank you so much to come on. I look forward to your perspective. Thank you so much. I listened to some of your podcasts and I really was amazed about the diversity in terms of all the topics and very enlightening. And, you know, like that physical therapist that who really started something magical a couple of decades ago and seems like he's doing really well. So thank you so much for your time. And I think I have a few things to say and let's get started. Yeah, and I am looking forward to it. So Let's start with the healthcare system in the United States. So for our international listeners, you're going to get a little education about what healthcare is like in the U.S., but why is it so hard for women in the United States to get good healthcare? I mean, you're in the system, right? So who better yes. to, to talk about it? I think there are two reasons why I am a good spokesperson about this topic. Let me start with my uh, professional background. I've been in Boston for 30 some years. I came here from Columbus, Ohio after getting my medical degree and came to old Boston City Hospital for training and I stayed. In 30 some years, I got to deliver thousands of babies, tons of surgeries and over 200,000 patient visits in person. That makes me an expert. So what I'm about to say about U.S. healthcare, I may be painting rather bleak picture, but I want to mention the second component, which makes me a, a positive person to talk about, which is I'm an immigrant American. I have lived here for half century now, 
And I think I live in the best country in the world. And I am so lucky to have an amazing career. And 30 some years, it gave me a place to be a witness as well as an active participant. So what is wrong with our healthcare? Well, let me give you some numbers. No other country spends as much money as we do on healthcare. We spend about 18% of our national GDP or gross domestic product, which is really total sum of service, goods, really our total revenue. That 18% is so large that if it was a country, it would be the fourth wealthiest country behind the United States, China, and Japan. So what do we get for that much money? Especially when that sum is almost twice as much as Germany, which is the next in line in terms of total spending. And here are startling facts. Number one, first of all, we're comparing to for almost 40 wealthiest countries around the world. We have the lowest life expectancy. We have the highest maternal and infant mortality rate. Mm -hmm. We have the highest uninsured patients around the world. Now, we also have one of the highest death rate related to preventable conditions, one of the highest suicide rates. Our obesity rate is twice the average of other wealthy countries. I mean, these are facts. To top it all, we're the only developed country without universal healthcare, and we don't have that national paid maternity leave. So when you start with that, I mean, it's really bleak. And because of that, and the fact that women compared to men require more healthcare dollar, mm-hmm. because from the time you start your menstruation, we're talking about menstrual irregularities to all the pregnancies and other GYN, and you had mentioned menopause. It never ends, but guess what? Compared to men, you earn far less. So on one hand, you need more healthcare dollar. At the same time, you earn less. And then we have our government, which is made up of women. Less than one third is women. So who's speaking for women? For entire history of medicine, women have been under-researched. Yes. So for years, for years, you know, we say what works for men works for women. That isn't the case, especially talking about like cardiac condition. When a woman com- comes to the emergency room complaining about what may be related to heart related, they're often ignored. Whereas if it was men, they'd be worked out for cardiac MI or something. And because of that, there's a delay in cardiac condition diagnosis of a woman by seven to 10 years, which means wow. in those years, we're talking about tons of other chronic conditions which is set in. And then we have drug companies, which are very happy to sell all kinds of drugs since United States, along with New Zealand, are only two countries where direct consumer marketing is allowed. No other country does this happen. And unlike any other country, our government does not intervene on our behalf. So when Pfizer says it's $100, 
between Pfizer, your insurance companies, and drug stores like CVS and Walgreens, they dictate what your cost is. And then we have shortage of OBGYNs. Already nine to 10,000 in number. But, but the reality is in a typical year, we only have about 1,200 new grads coming out of residency. That's mm -hmm. it. In a country with a population of 170, 80 million women, that's all we have. And the average age of OBGYN is 50. So we are in trouble at multiple level. But I mentioned that the fact that I'm an immigrant American, I think plays a role in my mission. What is my mission? My mission is to educate women. Um, for entire, almost entire career, I've been self-employed, which means unlike many physicians, no one tells me what to say and what not to say. And because of that, and the fact that I'm an immigrant, I'm an optimist. I think the glass is half full, not half empty. What I'm trying to do right now after 30 some years is to educate women that despite the bleak picture I had painted, there are ways to get around it. And in my latest documentary, I talk about a few suggestions, which is starting with the first one, own your health. Figure out what your health is all about and try to get as healthy as possible, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Then make sure you are working with the right provider, whether it's primary care physician or an amazing physical therapist like Dr. Litzy. Find one and stick with that person. And then when you get a chance to speak up, like during election, I think you need to speak up and vote for the right person because our government is not reflective of our entire population and that not enough women are representing women. Finally, I think you need to think about alternatives. Alternatives like acupuncture, chiropractor, physical therapy, not always a prescription because you walk into a doctor's office and say, I have this, say, especially emotional health. Next thing you know, you're given a prescription of medication that may or may not work. But what if there was an alternative like natural supplement like CBD? So I think my job is to educate women about options because this is all doable, but not enough women are informed. So my practice is like concierge practice. And it sounds like, doctor, uh, you're doing the same thing and then yeah. you're visiting your patient's house, right? Mm -hmm. All my patients have my mobile number. So they text me, call me at all hours. And sometimes it can be challenging, but I'd rather do that because I think the communication is the most important part of care. And it's just my mobile number. And that's how I've been practicing. And I am very hopeful that despite where we are at, it can be done. And, you know, you had mentioned, you know, a couple of things, kind of owning your health, working with the right provider and speaking up. So it sounds like what you're saying is that the patients need to be their best advocate when it comes to their own health. But most people kind of don't know how to do that. So do you have tips for when the patient is going to see you, they're going to see the doctor, you know, oftentimes you'll go in and 
you'll leave and be like, oh, I wanted to ask all these questions. And I totally forgot because the doctor came in. It was really quick. And I didn't, I didn't ask any of the questions I wanted to ask. So it was really hard to even be an advocate because you kind of got flustered and, and you forgot. So do you have any tips maybe that you tell your patients if they're coming to see you or someone else? Like, hey, these are things that you need to do in preparation for your visit to be the best advocate for yourself. I think that's a very good question, especially if you have a particular issue. I think you need to do your mm -hmm. homework, prepare your questions. And if possible, maybe email to your provider or your first time provider. Make sure your provider is ready. What I do is I've noticed that if I can make my patient comfortable, so my patients will tell you that I'm always in my jeans with a scrub top. I sit down, I cross my leg, and I kind of lean back and say, so how can I help you today? My job is to make my patient comfortable from the very first minute. And that's not always going to happen. But if you shop for a particular provider in a particular specialty, do your homework and make sure medicine is no different than any other business transaction. Look, if you got a hotel room and it's not what you signed up for, what do you do? You go to the front desk and say, hey, I asked for king bed, I got a queen. When you go see a doctor, if the visit turns out it's not what you had anticipated, then do something about it. You know, talk to the insurance company, talk to the office manager. We have internet. You can actually do something to make sure your care was worthwhile. I think one thing that Americans, for whatever the reason, we don't do good about is speaking up. Look, if I had a Chinese restaurant and my food wasn't good, I know people are not coming back. But how often do you hear people complaining about their doctors and they mm -hmm. still go back year after year, especially in pregnancy? I hear all the time, yeah, I haven't seen my doctor yet. I've seen, you know, a PA, NPs, midwives, and one could go through entire pregnancy between 16 and 20 visits and never see a provider. Yet you endure that abuse. And I say, abuse because you know what modern medicine especially in obstetrics is dangerous if you're not working with the right OBGYN pregnancy in this country is very dangerous especially for women of color mm -hmm. so you gotta speak up be ready and I I say you gotta make sure your hard-earned dollars was worth the visit and if you let's say you're a woman and you're looking for an OBGYN in your area. Um, are there any, in your opinion, any red flags to look out for, right? So you call, you're calling around, maybe you're looking at reviews. Is there anything that you would tell potential patients to watch out for? These days, most physicians will have some sort of review online. Mm -hmm. Google for one. Health grades is the other. Okay. So I think anyone with less than, say, four out of five star probably is a red flag. Okay. I would definitely talk to your friends, colleagues. And if you're having a baby, I would also call your local maternity and speak with maybe 
um, nurse manager or one or two nurses and say, hey, I'm new to the area. Can you recommend or give me a name or two? Oh, that's a good idea. I never, I would have never thought yes. of doing that. So calling like the local maternity ward in the hospital and seeing if you can speak to someone for a re- like a nurse for a referral. Yes. Because they're working with these physicians oh, day in and day out. Oh, that's a great will, idea. They, yeah. they will tell you who to stay away from. Mm-hmm. And the thing about using your primary care referral is remember, it's most physicians are employed and primary care physician is going to be a part of a network. Mm-hmm. So it's his or her interest to keep you within the network. In many states like Massachusetts, you don't have to stay within that network. You can go find a provider to your liking. And if I were to be a woman, particularly for OBGYN, I would get two, three names and maybe do FaceTime or virtual interview. Why not? If if you call an office and they say, oh, we don't do that, well then scratch that one. Because mm. if someone is interested in serving you, they should make five, 10 minutes of your time to say, hey, this is what I offer. And I always tell my patients, look, here's my simple menu. If my menu is to your liking, great. If not, there's one around the corner. But there are many steps you can take to make sure you're working with the right person, especially pregnancy. Pregnancy mm-hmm. The outcome of pregnancy is the most amazing life event. I mean, even after delivering thousands of babies, I swear every time I deliver one, I just kind of have to turn around because I feel like I get tearful because it's so amazing. And don't you want that to be done with just the right provider rather than some random doctor who just showed up? Mm -hmm. Because often your wishes will not be respected. I mean, look at the statistics. In 1970s, the cesarean section rate in this country was only 5%. Now it's mid-30s. There are places where it's 50% or higher. Mm-hmm. Why? Money. Medicine has become money, money, money issue. Everyone's making money off you. Your insurance companies, the doctors, hospitals, mm-hmm. drug companies, everyone. There must be something we can do when we are spending so much of our hard-earned dollar towards healthcare and we get such lousy service. And this is where I say you have to speak up. Really make sure your care is to your liking. And in pregnancy, for example, there's no time where you cannot change your provider. If you're not happy, then change. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to do a major surgery on you, then I would get maybe two, three opinions, make sure to make sure it's the right procedure being done by the right provider. I mean, it's lack of information for patients. It's, it's amazing. Just because someone is doctor something, they don't question. They can get right. abused. And I just think that is not appropriate. And it's my job to kind of lift up the dirt and talk about all this. So my new podcast series that's going to be launched soon is titled Woman's Health Confidential because I want people to know exactly what happens behind the scene, not just in your office when you're spending five minutes with a doctor. What happens? What are these doctors like? What are these surgeons like? Why is a certain hospital you should stay away from? I mean, even in Boston, I tell patients to stay away from certain hospitals because they don't provide good enough care. You know, there's a hospital where they don't have 24-7 anesthesia. And I feel in modern days, if you're pregnant, 
and you want epidural, you should be allowed to get that epidural. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's not offered because of the cost. They don't have 24-7 anesthesia coverage. Then that's oh. the hospital to stay away from. Same hospital will not allow trial of labor after C-section. Why? Because they don't have 24-7 coverage because it costs money. So these are little things that patients may not know, um, but it is my goal to educate women and the public about all this. Right. And I think th those might be some more red flags or some things to ask. So if you are pregnant, like what hospital are you going to give birth in? And you can ask, do you have 24-7 anesthesia coverage? And if they don't, then maybe you might want to reconsider that hospital and go to some place that does have that coverage, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, yes. I just, I mean, I just- Because you're in Manhattan. Yeah, well, that's everything. true. Huh. That's true. Everything. And actually that leads to another question is what about people in more rural areas? Oh boy. Right? Where, it's... you know, maybe the nearest OBGYN is 30 miles away or the nearest hospital oh, is far no. away. Doctor, more than half the counties in this country mm -hmm. do not have a single OBGYN. Wow. Not a single OBGYN. And where I practice, I can throw a stone and I right. probably hit half dozen OBGYNs, like in Manhattan. Right, right. But there are many parts around the country, there are no OBGYNs. There are no midwives. I was and I was just gonna ask crazy. what I was just gonna ask, what is your opinion on using midwives and doulas as uh as needed during pregnancy? I'm a big fan of doula. So I started a small Facebook group called Doc and Doula, where we provide service to patients based on questions they ask. Mm -hmm. I'm so convinced that doula is really a key component that is needed to lower the cesarean section rate and improve the outcome that I started a nonprofit called doulasforeveryone.org. What this is, because at least in this area, and I know in Manhattan probably costs more, it's about $1,500 to $2,500 for doula. That's mm -hmm. a lot of money. That's sure. you know monthly wage. So what we do is if a person is interested and has financial um, need, then we provide a doula service. We ask the patient to pay 300 and my nonprofit matches at 300. So a good doula provides the service for 600. We have a chapter in Massachusetts, and we also have one in Tennessee. Eventually, the goal is to expand this um, entire nation. But like everything in life, it's all about money. Takes money and time. Profit, exactly. Yeah. And what what is the name of the nonprofit again? Doulasforeveryone.org. Perfect. And you had mentioned midwives. Midwives is really the key to obstetrical medicine in this country. If you look at all the hospitals, hospital maternity hospitals with midwives will have the cesarean section rate 50% less than those without. Wow. It's a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. So the question is, why don't we have more midwives? Right. I mean, it's not just American College of OBGYN, American Medical Association, or our government. There is no plan to help women. We have little under 4 million births in this country. Mm -hmm. And most births take place in hospital setting. Right. And if we had more midwives, because I believe in home birth, 
if a patient is low risk, because people who want to do home birth, they are motivated. They tend to be healthier mm -hmm. and they are motivated to really enjoy that special time. Only 1% of birth in this country take place at home. Right. But I think there's a room to grow for that. If we could just add more midwives, because there aren't going to be any more OBGYNs anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So that's how we fix this problem. Unfortunately, I'm not aware of any plan to add more midwives on an annual basis. Right. And I, you know, I had um, a podcast interview a couple of months ago with a physical therapist. She's based in Washington State or Oregon, on the West Coast. Her name's Dr. Rebecca Seagraves. And her mission is to have a physical therapy consult for every single woman after birth before they leave the hospital. So that Amazing. the physical therapist can go in and take blood pressures, lying down, sitting up, walking, right? Screening for, uh, to help uh, with readmissions after um, after women give birth. And also just to, like you were saying, to educate. Like, hey, listen, if, if your blood pressure starts to rise greatly after your discharge, come in immediately. You know, if you uh, educating after cesarean section, because she was saying like physical therapists are called in after most major surgical procedures, except for cesarean, which is a huge is abdominal procedure. Only the most often performed surgery. Right. And would you believe that a lot of doctors don't see their patient after C-section for six weeks? I do believe it. Yes. And the reason that for that is, <laughs> is because... The way we get paid, we get paid globally. So if you if we see a patient for seven times or more, or 17 times, or 27 times, we get paid the same. Right. And that includes postpartum care. So a lot of doctors say, why do I need to see them after week after C-section? I don't know. Check the scar, check the pain level, because both can affect postpartum anxiety and depression. But a lot of doctors, even in this area, even teaching hospital, do not see their patients for six weeks. I, I don't I, I don't understand. It's my total knee replacement patients, ACL patients, they're seeing their doctor, certainly total uh, knee and hip replacements are seeing their doctor after two weeks. And they're no. back in <clears throat> to check scar integrity and um, to check in with the patient. But it's like when it's a C-section... It's just routine, Ignore. so whatever. Ignore. And and a lot of women don't get any education on no. positioning, on how to lift, how to... Doctors no. say, oh, just don't lift something over X amount of pounds, but you got to lift a baby. That's true. That's you true. Know? I, you have uh, to lift a baby and you have to be able to navigate this world and know what the red flag signs are so that women aren't coming in with hemorrhaging or or... God only knows. I mean, you would know better than I would what are the common complications after childbirth and what are the, some of those red flags? Way too many. Too many, and yeah. What are the what many. are common ones that you see that are sort of red flags after birth? I think, especially with the pandemic, there's something to be said about hypertension. Mm -hmm. Definitely, if I look at the whole pregnancy, I think there is increase in miscarriage in first trimester. And in third trimester, I think we're seeing more hypertensive episodes as well as in postpartum. Mm -hmm. And because 
when patients are discharged, they're often discharged by not by their provider, but someone else. Mm-hmm. And often given generic discharge instruction, call us if you're having significant pain, bleeding, blah, blah, blah. And often, you know, what are we doing to women? We're not providing them any support. We're telling them, oh, you got to breastfeed because breastfeeding is good for you. Oh, you cannot take narcotic medication because it may all be blah, blah. So many things we say to make our patients worry. Postpartum emotional health is down the gutter. I don't know how so many patients survive when we provide so little. Mm -hmm. How can we be the only developed country where we don't provide any postpartum service? Right. You know, forget visiting. When I was a resident, I remember we used to have a visiting nurse. Forget that. There is no visiting nurse. It's all virtual. But I need to touch the belly. I need someone to look at the womb, you know? But Mm -hmm. the postpartum care is so poor. And because the lack of paid leave, many women are going back to work when they're not ready. Mm -hmm. So are we getting productive workforce back into our society? Of course not. Instead, we have probably one out of four American women on antidepressants and other medications for anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Try to fix it. So... I think, you know, when you mentioned someone like physical therapist working with pregnant woman, oh my God, that's such an amazing idea. And if we can trust, um, you know, not poorly trained, but just the very little training it takes for persons to take blood pressure, vital signs, right? actually talk to patients. If you talk to patients, it's not those vital signs you're looking for. You can get a lot as to what kind of, environment she's going back for recovery what kind of support she has Mm -hmm. so many little things you can pick up to provide better social service but we don't do that right right yeah it's so poor yeah i know and that's the goal of this physical therapist is to have just the physical therapist or an occupational therapist stop in see the patient for while they're in the hospital so that, like you said, they get all of this information and they can ask questions. It's like, you know, you have the book. What is that book like? What to expect when you're expecting? Exactly. There should be a book like what to expect after you're done expecting. Exactly. It's, you know, you know because a postpartum isn't six weeks. You know, this. No, no. this could be 12 months or longer. I'm, I'm dealing with a patient right now who's having same issues that which... Six six months after delivery, right. still having issues with anxiety and not being able to go back to work. Um, but we are so short-sighted, yet we have so much resource. Right. We just gotta provide it the right way. And and I I think we need to speak up. We need to speak up. We need more voice at every level of government Mm -hmm. and every major medical organizations and whatnot, but it starts with the patient. And I feel that my patients know that I'm a very devoted provider who, look, I mean, I got so lucky to be an OBGYN. I think about, I mean, talk about 50 years in this country. My mother was 15 when she got pregnant with me. And she had me at age of 16. She had no prenatal care. And she said that when I 
popped out with no one around. Only thing she remembers is seeing a big head. And she wasn't sure how many months I was. And here I am, because I live in this amazing country. I'm an right. OBGYN of all the places in Boston. And I see, having worked in Boston, I see what kind of problems we have here. Can you imagine in the middle of Louisiana, Mississippi, right. other parts? Right. If I say we have problems here, it's many folds down there. Mm -hmm. So let's keep educating people and let people demand better care. Better care, better services. And and to your point about being postpartum, if you ask our my pelvic health physical therapist colleagues, they would say once postpartum, always postpartum. Uh, yes. Right? Because you can't so it, true. you can't take it back. So even 20 years later, no. as you probably know in your practice, women may have, you know, problems that you can relate back to their pregnancy. You know your body's never the same. Mm -hmm. it's, and you can't replace it. And I often use hammock as an analogy. I say, hey, before your pregnancy, it was a brand new hammock. By the end of the summer, what happens? The middle part droops. That happens in your third trimester, mm -hmm. if not earlier. And it doesn't get any better. But if you find the right pelvic floor therapist, they can get you back to a version of your mm -hmm. old self. Not mm -hmm. the old self, but a version. Right. And I think pelvic, and, and you know what? I mean, I'm 62 years old and I know I need pelvic floor therapist because we have issues too. Right. I mean, I need, you know, it's not just a kegel exercise. Nope. I nope. need someone to tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. Men have pelvic floors as well. Oh, it's not it's, just women. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Not and, just women. And you had mentioned menopause. Menopause here. I see how pelvic floor therapists can strengthen what they have as preventive measures mm -hmm. because people are living longer than ever. True. And a lot of my patients are looking for alternative um, therapy like hormone replacement therapy, which can add to pelvic floor therapy. I mean, we are all dying and I joke and say, I want to die well. I want to have, I want to maintain my bodily function. Mm -hmm. So I need everything. I need hormones. I need exercise. I need supplements. So I think that aside from pregnant patients, menopausal patients, I mean, women of all age, I mean, you are in a great field because at least around here, all the good pelvic floor therapists are busy. Yeah. Well, they're busy here too, um, which is, which I think is a good thing because I would say 20 years ago, I, I I don't know that even physicians knew like, hey, there are pelvic health therapists out there that can help. So 20, awareness is working. 20 years ago, we would call local rehab place and say, hey, I have this patient with urinary incontinence. And I would talk to somebody and they say, oh, we have one, but she's on vacation. Mm -hmm. Now that ain't so. Now there are finally people understand this is this is a real specialty. Yeah. Yeah, Plus, absolutely. Doesn't it take doctor like six, seven years to get your uh, education? PhD? Uh, yeah, seven years. Seven yeah, years? that's right. Yeah, six to seven years. Mm -hmm. That's that's no. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a long time. Yes. It's not it's not as long as as you took to become a, an OBGYN, but it, it's definitely a commitment. It's a long time. And I what I find is it's the teamwork, right? Mm -hmm. It's the doctors working with the physical therapist and perhaps a midwife and a doula and the nurses. And it takes all of those people to really deliver some, some good health care. 
to women across the country. And if we did that, wouldn't that be amazing? Be great. People go back to work earlier, happier, mm-hmm. less prescription, mm-hmm. and more productive. I don't know. I think that says a lot. And I don't know why we are so short-sighted. No other country is like ours. Right. And the reason for that is because at every level between big pharma, insurance companies, hospitals. I mean, look, if a hospital has one, the difference between 100 vaginal delivery and 100 C-section is two to $3 million in revenue. Wow. So if I'm the CEO, why would I want lower C-section rate? I need that revenue, especially with mm-hmm. pandemic. So I'm not going to tell my people to, hey, you know, really try trial of labor after C-section. You know, no. I mean, the hospital I work out of, which is considered one of the premier hospitals in Boston for community hospital, C-section rate is one out of three. And one out of three people get induced for no clear reason. Mm-hmm. That leaves one out of three. We are so good at scaring people. You know, if yeah. we have a 35-year-old woman who took some time to get pregnant and had gone through fertility treatment, so she's now over 35, at the very first visit, often the patient is told, well, you know, you're AMA. And you know, you took fertility thingamajig to get you pregnant. So we should probably induce you because you're over 35 and this is your first pregnancy. And we should do that around 39 weeks. So for next 20 some weeks, all she's thinking about is induction of labor. Mm-hmm. And what does anxiety do? Well, it raises your blood pressure. Right. There's that hypertension so, you were talking there you about. Go. Mm-hmm. There you go. And what do people say? Oh, you know, I don't care about me. I just want a healthy outcome. It took me forever. I just want to have a good baby. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's like one thing layers on top of the other. So, what would you want um, our listeners to take away from this conversation? What are your key points? I think I would like to make sure that ask yourself, no matter what your age is, are you healthy? If not, why not? Maybe there's a room for you to improve. That could be improving on your sleep as well as your nutrition, exercise and whatnot. Maybe it's improving your relationship, but just making your environment positive. Ask yourself if you have the right provider. If not, look for one. And then at every turn, there is an election somewhere. And I want you to make sure you vote for the right um, cause and right people. And then think outside the box. Think about alternatives. I'm so convinced that there's a place for CBD. I started my own line because I have so many patients who are on antidepressants and people are on something for sleep and so many are struggling with weight. I thought, let me do something about emotional health, sleep and weight control. And CBD is considered safe. It's something that as long as you buy from the right source, Mm -hmm. it's something that can help you. We're just beginning to understand the power of CBD. So these are things you need to really consider and say, I am worth all that. Do not settle for anything less than the best. Because as a 62-year-old 
father of five, I can tell you one thing. Life is short. Mm-hmm. It's so short. I mean, my goal has always been to stay healthy and take no prescription at my age. And I am exactly that. It takes effort. But I am going to stay the course because my health is my biggest asset. My health, not money, not anything. So that's what I would tell people. I love that, that your health is your biggest asset. It's so true. Now, Dr. Chun, where can people find you if they want more information about you, about the non-for-profit, CBD? Where can they find you? BillChunMD.com is my personal website. Women Only Organics is the uh, website for my CBD products. The one thing I'm doing with my CBD products is this. Just like my patients, I encourage everyone who makes a purchase, reach out to me, send me an email, then I will be in touch with you because I want to make sure that you're taking CBD for the right reason. And there's a process we have to go through. I do some teaching over the phone mm-hmm. to make sure you're taking it for the right reason. And you know, those two websites are my primary. If you use Facebook, Doc and Doula is the name for our Facebook group, as well as Instagram. And you might enjoy our TikTok account under the same name, Doc and Doula. Oh, that's great. I love it. And now last question, it's one that I ask everyone, is knowing where you are now in your life and your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Let's say fresh out of medical school. You know, I think about this all the time. And I am one of those few fortunate ones because I still hold on to the essay I wrote when I applied to med school, which basically said, I want to help people. Mm -hmm. I haven't changed. I'm the same. And I think anyone who's interested in medicine know that it's an honorable profession. Go into it for the right reason. And along the way, like I did, take your time. Maybe you need a little break in your medical school. Maybe a little break during residency to make sure you are in it for the right reason and pick the right specialty. I would encourage everyone to consider OBGYN because my specialty, you don't even have to speak foreign languages. You know, you can go anywhere and help women. Mm -hmm. I spent a week in Guatemala. I was treating women who spoke Mayan Indian dialect and they didn't speak Spanish. I didn't speak their language. You don't need it. So, Really, I would encourage all of you young ones to consider medicine. It's a great profession, but take your time because once you're in it, it's a long haul. Right. I think that's great advice. Dr. Chen, thank you so much for coming on the program. This was a great conversation. I think people have a lot of takeaways. So thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I want to mention that there, we have a special code for listeners. If you use that code to visit our website, uh, 25% discount on all of our products. Perfect. And just so everyone knows, whatever platform you are listening on right now, we will have the link to all of it. We'll have a link to 25% off. We'll have a link to all of Dr. Chun's website so that you can reach out to him if you want more information. So that'll be um 
all on whichever platform you're listening on. And it'll also be at the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. But regardless, it will all you have to do is scroll under. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right underneath this video. Um, so one click will take you to all of Dr. Chun's info. So again, Dr. Chun, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks. And everyone have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.